1: It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. It's coming
2: home. It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're all keeping safe. We hope you're all keeping well. As we return for our second show of the week to react to the breaking news that has been announced that the Premier League will be returning on the 17th of June provisionally but it looks like we're going to get football back in the UK and I'm delighted to welcome back on this show with me I've got Lee McQueen. Lee how are you?
1: Well thanks uh, Rick and uh, to all the listeners hope you're all keeping well as uh, as we uh, now is inevitable uh, as we say um, because of the Covid-19 so I hope all you're your, um, your keeping well and your families are well and stuff and yes wow Football is back. We might not agree. We might agree. But the reality is what we're hoping for is football is back and it's coming. So happy days.
2: Hopefully safe to do so. That's the most important thing. And also pleased to have back on the show, Jamie from the Daily Hot Spurs back with us. Jay, how are you?
0: Yeah, very good. Thank you, Ricky. Uh, yeah, hope all the listeners are doing well too. Um, yeah, and obviously very exciting news today about the Premier League coming back. I think we're all very excited. Um, yeah, very excited to watch Spurs again. I think that we're going to be in a good place. Uh, when we come back. So I'm very excited for it.
2: And we're also pleased to have back on this show. It's been a while, so pleased to welcome back Sky Sports' very own and big Spurs fan, Michael Bridge joins us. Bridgie, how
3: are you? Great to be back, Rick. Um, Hello, everyone. Uh, Yeah, fantastic news regarding the football being back. Um, Let's get it on. Looking forward to it. Now, we are recording on the back
2: of breaking news from the Premier League that a provisional restart date for the season has been confirmed ...and approved, provided all safety requirements are in place as the 17th of June. All 92 games left, we played behind closed doors and shown live on Sky Sports, BT Sport, BBC Sport and Amazon Prime. And we are also in the know now that Aston Villa v Sheffield United and Man City v Arsenal will be the first two games that are played, meaning that every club would have then played 29 Premier League games after those two matches are held on the 17th of June. Bridgie, let's come round to you for first reaction then of the Premier League set to resume. Thoughts on this?
3: Yeah, I mean, everyone's delighted. I mean, mental health and anxiety and, you know, it's great. we've Everyone talked to each other and... Qu- quizzes, Zoom quizzes, everything like that. It's been great to keep the interaction going. But this is the first week I felt, oh, I'm, I'm, I really want something back now. And you know, it's good news today and it's great news. You know, there's so many broadcasters involved as well. BBC have got games. Sky will be having the likes of Everton, Liverpool, uh, free to air as well. And if you look at the games, uh, they're, they're all spread out. So I think from what I can see, I mean, obviously this is being recorded, but breaking news obviously in the last hour, from what I can see, when it's the weekend, you get a Friday game and all the Saturday and Sunday games hour after hour. So you won't be able to miss anything if you don't want to. So it's very exciting. Um And of course, the title race it is over, but a lot to play for. And uh, and obviously, rightly so, Spurs fans are excited uh because they've got their strikers back. I don't know why might opinion- <laughs> not. <laughs> well, in my opinion, well, in my opinion, I'm sure others agree too, that as yep. soon as Son got injured, for me, Tottenham's season was over. So to have Son and Kane back, um, obviously not fully fit yet, but it will all come down to fitness of all clubs. But it's a massive, massive boost. We know that Mourinho, well, two or three
2: months before that in February, was wishing for the season to end. In in a weird, perverse morbid way, he, he kind of got his wish. And in the 1st of July, all the players are back. I mean, you you couldn't really make it up if you could even possibly try. And Lee, coming around to you, we know a full fixture list will be then be played on the 19th to the 21st of June. The clubs are still discussing the idea at a meeting. But it's understood all have agreed principle at this stage. There's still 92 fixtures still left to play. As British says, a lot still to play for across the league. What's your reaction to the Premier League coming back?
1: I have to split into two two uh, parts as as I've done for for the last few weeks. You know, as long as it's safe to do so, and we talked about this at length before, with the whole you know we, we still had 412 people die yesterday. Let's not forget. Um, so we, we need to make sure that it is safe to do so. Uh, but you know, if it is, and it's proven that it is, and you know we, we're limiting the risk that we're putting on. To to players and their families and and whatever else. Um, I'm happy, of course, I'm going to see my football club play again. I I think, you know, from a footballing standpoint, it's going to be very, very strange uh, not going to, to the new lane um, not drinking the uh, um, you know the, the the gamma rays at uh, before after the game and during and during half time at the stadium and so on and so forth um, and and you know and generally meeting up with all the other fans which kind of make, make makes it really um, but but ultimately we have gonna uh, we are gonna see some football uh, back this this, this season. If I'm brutally honest, I didn't think it would happen. I didn't think that we would get back. Uh, so, testament to, um, you know, the processes and procedures and everyone being involved in trying to trying to get back to some sort of normality. As as Bridgie said, you know, at the, the end of the day, you know we've all been on Zoom and so on and so forth and, uh, you know, and, and different video platforms. But, it, you know, there's nothing like watching a, a, a live game. And although the stadiums w- will be empty, um, you know, we're still going to get to see our uh, our, our players playing, and that's what we've missed. Now, I've just been looking at the fixtures for the first time in well, probably three months. To be fair, I've looked at the table I think once, and I've just looked at it again. It, don't do it, by the way. Stop what you're reading at the moment. But um, you know, when you look at the fixtures and you look at what's coming up, there's some some exciting games here. We've got some big, big games, games that are in and around teams that are in and around us that we can we can beat and take three points off and. It's still up for grabs. So you know, if we can, from a footballing standpoint, uh, you've just talked about Jose hit wanting to get the reset button, and and he kind of did. Um, he's almost had a, a, a massive amount of time. I know you talked about this before, Rick, but uh, you know, Jose and the coaching staff are living together at the training ground. So you know, you know, people talk about uh, joust, uh, um uh being really attention to detail and, and you know what what he's what he's doing there you know how much work have they been doing together as a unit as a team during lockdown i think we can take a positive out of that and think wow we, we might have something but we've got a, a fully fit or sorry we've got a fully non-injured squad and although people won't say yeah they're not fully match fit, is anybody fully match fit? And I think that that will also play into our hands. So, you know from a footballing standpoint, you know the sun is shining, the the season's going to get finished, and and hopefully Tottenham can go and nick a Champions League place.
2: I mean, to be fairly, we've been due a bit of luck. If we finish fifth, as we as we mentioned off air, about you know, about that Champions League spot, if it comes available, if City do not win their appeal to get back into the Champions League, we've been due that over the last god knows four or five years of luck Spurs have had in terms of making the top four in certain occasions where it hasn't gone our way. But Jay. To bring it round to you, you know, the Premier League was suspended on the 13th of March because of the pandemic. It will actually be 100 days after Le- Leicester City's 4-0 win over Aston Villa on the 9th of March that the competition will resume if we do go ahead with that 17th of June start date with the games being behind closed doors. We saw on Wednesday the club unanimously voted to resume contact training, having started non-contact mm. training the previous week. And we've seen 12 people so far test positive for the coronavirus after... 2,752 tests across the league. What's your feelings, Jay, about the Premier League coming back and also the fact that we're now resuming yeah. contact training? How do you feel about that?
0: It's great for a couple of reasons, really. I think, firstly, the business side of it. You know, uh, I think we've covered a lot on the, on the pod recently. You know, these clubs need to start bringing in that money. Even Manchester United have kind of expressed their concerns about, you know, the financial impact of it all. Um, and when you've got, like, the largest club in the world doing that, you know that it's, it's certainly going to be a concern. Um, I mean, probably from a Man United standpoint, that's probably going to mean that they're not going to have a huge amount of money to spend in the transfer window, if at all. But for other clubs, you know, it will mean potentially, you know, saving them. So I think from that, that perspective, it is great that football's coming back and hopefully they can start to get some sort of revenue um, from that sort of perspective. I think from a general supporter's kind of view, it's, it's brilliant in terms of, you know, the, the coverage that, that's going to be available. Um, in terms of you know, this, all those sort of live games that are going to be shown, and sort of the reports that we've been seeing of, of every game being shown live, I think that's going to be really exciting and something that we're all really looking forward to. Um, and then from a Spurs perspective, um, I think as we as we saw on, uh, with the interview on Sky Sports with Jose Mourinho, I think it was a, it was a really fantastic interview. It just he looked in a really great mood. He, he seemed really positive about uh, the season coming back, and of course. You know, as 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 we've mentioned, you know, we have had so many players out. Um, he's, he's really had that chance to uh to kind of reset. And um, you know, he he mentioned about uh having a pre-season. Well, really, he's had that preseason, he's really got that preseason inadvertently now, um, but he's got a chance to kind of save the season. And um, you know, with with the players that we have coming back, the likes of Harry Kane, Bergvine, Sun. Sissoko so I think there's there's lots of room for optimism around Spurs and I think that you know it's also given Jose Mourinho time time to kind of get to know his players of course you know he just really didn't have that sort of time when you come in mid-season that's really difficult um and that's probably one of the reasons what has been so difficult for him he hasn't had that chance to really get his message across get to know the players properly so this time has been positive for Spurs um but, yeah, I think from, from all those different perspectives, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, really, it's great news that the, the Premier League's is coming back. Um, from, maybe from a, a safety perspective, I know a lot of people who are against it. Um, but it does seem, you know, it, from the amount of testing that is going to be going on, you know, we'll sit twice a week, I believe, they're getting tested. Um, so, that, you know, there's lots of tests going on and you just hope that they're kind of in a position to, to make it as safe as possible, You've, of course, got a lot of the players being very vocal um, about, you know, the likes I've seen Harry Kane, very excited to get back. Now, of course, there's going to be opposition. You know, Kante, I think Kante came out um, and said um, that he wasn't, that he perhaps wasn't going to be involved. Um, And I know he's had issues in terms of his health in the past. So you can kind of understand that. You've got Troy Deeney with his son, who's who's also got um, problems with his health. So you can understand it from that point of view, in terms of why players maybe wouldn't want to get involved. But as we've seen, there are plenty of players and managers. As as it's come from our, as it's kind of been revealed today from all the voting, to bring the Premier League back, that lots of people are very positive about it coming back. And um, you know, as I said, with with all the testing that's going on, you just hope um, that, that it's going to be in a safe place to return. So yeah, brilliant news that uh, the Premier League's going to be coming back.
2: Bridget, just on the testing, you know, we know that you know, Premier League players and staff, will, as Jay mentioned, there will continue to be tested twice a week. With the capacity increase now from fifty to sixty tests per club for the fourth round of the testing, and we know that any players or staff to test positive must now self isolate for a period of seven days. What have you made of the way this has been done? The, the testing, I mean, are we confident still? And it's difficult to tell of anything that you know the way we're heading.
3: Well, obviously from the outside, I mean, we we, we get obviously the information as much as we can from the clubs, but um, I don't think any fan would begrudge any player who would feel uncomfortable. I think Troy Deeney has spoken nothing but sense on his worries about coming back, and and N'Golo Kante has voiced his concerns. Um, It's a difficult one, isn't it? When you say, oh, it's good, that's low figures, because they are relatively low figures on the positive test, but then you get Bournemouth goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale um, getting a positive test in his second round of tests, and he said, I have no idea how I got it. You no, know, it, it is a real nasty virus, as we all know. I mean, without wanting to sound like you know one of the pre- in the t- daily five o'clock presses, but we we still have to, all of us have to be careful. Our lives are going to change. You know, high streets. This might be the death of high streets, shopping. You know, everything like that. All our lives are going to change. Um, this is why it's great to have some kind of good news back for football fans, sports fans. Uh, if I'm honest. Um, you know I've found watching the Bundesliga hasn't been overly thrilling for me I can't you know I only have one club Tottenham Hotspur I haven't overly enjoyed watching uh, the uh, the Bundesliga yet but it was a great test for me not just as a journalist but as a fan to see how I'll feel with the passion of Manchester United or Arsenal or West Ham in an empty stadium it's all going to be new but life I don't want to be too philosophical on a, on a football pod but life is going to be different we're all going to do having to do things differently uh, and it's how we adapt to them. So small steps, small baby steps. And when breaking news like this comes out, we, we embrace it. But um, of course, you know, like anything, you know, there could be news tomorrow about any, any, any changes. Uh, uh, and I think it's going to be a day by day basis.
2: No, it's true. I think like I say we have to kinda of take every day as it comes at the moment and of course there will as Jay mentioned there being you know, there will be opposition that don't feel maybe it's right the Premier League returning, but there'll be again a huge, massive group of fans that feel that now they wanna have something to look forward to and football is a big part of everybody's lives. Can't get away from that. Those that love football, of course we wanna see it come back, but it's gotta be safe to do so as we've mentioned throughout this pod so far. I mean Lee, coming around to you, the issue we've got at the moment is that, you know, with the combination of the tests, you know, players, non-playing staff or a combination of both. You know, from people who have tested positive in the first round who have then returned after a period of self isolating for seven days, there is still that massive risk. And again, it's a case of that throughout this pandemic, there have been concerns raised about the risks associated with training and what it takes for the coronavirus to be transmitted on the pitch. How do you feel, Lee, about the return now to full contact training like there has been from Wednesday
1: onwards? I don't know. I'm still mixed for me. You know, I've... um... I've had, I've had coronavirus myself. Uh, some of you listeners might know that or not. And some of you, you know, even you boys, but I've had it. My entire family had it uh, at the beginning of March, uh, beginning of uh, the second week of March. Um, and uh, it is horrendous. It's a horrendous virus. We're one of the lucky, we're, we're lucky five, essentially. I've got three daughters, young daughters. Uh, they got over it really, relatively quickly. One of, one of my daughters um, didn't really even have any symptoms. Like you couldn't really even tell that she, she kind of had it um you know my, my wife picked it up passed it over to me um and then you know went around the household so we've been self-isolating or being isolated you know a couple of weeks before lockdown even started um, so there, there is part of me that kind of goes, look we just want to try and get back to to some sort of normality but you know Bridget's is right 100 percent like the, the world's changed and you know and, and we can't expect football to go back to exactly how it was before because everyone else's lives won't go to, to how, how they were before. The Ramsdale uh, situation is, is is quite key because although the the figures are very, very low and uh, uh, you know in terms of you know percentages of people tested and and, and whatever which which is which is a fair point, it just goes to show that you can be tested on on one day and then two, three days later you can be tested and, and you get a different result. And that's because the tests that, that everybody's going through are good in terms of they can test to see if you're positive or negative, but they're not testing in an antibody way. So they're not testing to say, yeah, you've had it, so therefore you 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 can now be integrated back into society, or there's no vaccine still. So I've always said on on, on this pod and to, to everyone that knows me that the antibody testing is, a, is the game changer, and obviously the vaccine is the ultimate. Um, but the testing that we're doing at the moment is that Yes, we're we're testing somebody to, to go forward. Uh, Ramsdale actually came out and said, didn't he, that you know, all he's done is he's gone to the supermarket and, and he's probably gone next to somebody who felt that they didn't have any symptoms whatsoever. Um, which is completely normal in this case. Which is again, Mike, you you, you just mentioned, didn't you? That actually, it's a, you know, it is a deadly virus and a serious virus because you can't see it. You don't know even sometimes. You don't even know if you've got it. So, so it is a difficult one to, um, to to stomach on that side of things. Having said all of that, like I said, with my with my 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 fan hat or my football hat on, um, you know, we we're all we're all excuse the language here, but we're all gagging, aren't we, to, to to get the football back. So, so um, I just think that. There needs to be, and there is, by the way, I think there is, but there needs to be a level of responsibility that there's certain things that are happening in the world that are, that are much, much bigger than football. Um, and although we love it, and I'm a max, you all know that anyway, but sometimes we've just got you know, to calm down and, and make sure that we're doing the right thing. I, I, I do actually think that, that if it's safe to do so, I think, you know, why not? Because the, the, the economic side of, the, of things comes in. And obviously, Jay ain't with us tonight, but he he talks about it quite a lot. And, uh, you know, and and we, you know, I've done a a big stint on the pod, didn't I, a few few months back about the financial revenue of the club and, you know, why why people going on furlough and all that sort of stuff when that was happening. And the the financial side of the game is definitely going to change off the back of this. So if we don't start playing football again, then clubs will go under. Simple as that. And you know, again, it's the same as, as businesses. If we don't, if we don't get back to work, businesses will go under. People will lose their jobs. You know, doom and gloom monger. Uh, you know, I don't want to be a doom and gloom, but that's the balance that the the government and and the leaders have had to uh, have to weigh up. Do we start trying to get back to some sort of normality whereby we can start the uh, kickstart or restart the uh, economic side of the uh, of things again? Uh, along with balancing and and, and and look, ultimately, as harsh as it sounds, people will still get ill, and, and and ultimately, people still may die. But but we can't be in lockdown forever. So something at some stage has got to change. And you know, for the from a football's perspective, Premier League has decided that's going to be on June the seventeenth. And uh, you know, like I say, with my football hat on, it is great to see the the, the lads back out there. You see the pictures from the training ground. You see that. You know, as Jamie just said, you know, all of the four that were injured, and and, and said at the top of the show that you know we've got a strikers back. It, you know, it is a, it could be a good time for for for, for Tottenham to, to, to restart the season again. So, I'm in two minds. I think that when when I'm not making the decision, so I just got to run with whatever the decision is. I wouldn't have sacked Potagino, as you all know, the listeners by now, but Daniel Levy did, and, you know, we've got to get on with it, and that's just the way life is. Back to the
2: footy, and in terms of the scheduling, Bridget brought this up earlier, Jay, but to bring it around to you, we're going to see games kick off. This is kind of UK times here, just to make it clear. I know we've got a lot of listeners from overseas, but 12.30pm UK time, 3pm, 5.30pm, 8pm, and then Sunday games at 12pm, 2pm, 4.30pm, 7pm, Then you've got Friday and Monday matches at 8pm, with a Tuesday, Wednesday and thirty games kicking off at 6pm, 8pm.
1: I'm getting a divorce. I tell, I'll be honest with you. I, <laughs> well, I, I'm getting the divorce I after that. I me. mean, there's no way. How's my family going to let me watch the green screen, as they call it, for that amount of time? Well, to put it in perspective, That's like, but, literally loving the football fest.
2: To put it in perspective, Jay, you know, Project Restart will include around yes. nine hours coverage of live games on Saturdays and Sundays. I mean... It's going to be an incredible amount of football, isn't it, for the Premier League? I know we, Bridget, said earlier about you know yeah. the Bundesliga wasn't that thrilling, but I just wonder because it is the Premier League, it's a league that we'll yeah. watch. Tottenham are going to have you know so much competition yeah. that we're going to be glued to it, aren't we?
0: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, just just hearing that it is really very exciting. And uh, but I think both got, both uh, both Michael and, and Lee make brilliant points in terms of. Um, you know, we have to adapt now. You know, unfortunately, we've gone through this this once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, and we just have to accept, as Michael said, that the world's going to change. And you know, I see a lot of people saying that you know football is not the same without supporters, but unfortunately, we just have to accept that that's the way that football's got to be at the moment. Um, Lee, of course, made the point about business, and that's the one thing I, d- I think that too many people. At the end of the day, football clubs have become businesses now and really they have to make those sort of decisions in terms of uh, that are best for business. And really, of course, you know, football has to return. You know, we we, we kind of accept that lots of different businesses have already gone back to work and people are going into work. I think when we saw the lockdown restrictions kind of uh, reduced, you know, we saw lots of people going into work and we saw them on public transport. And people kind of all understood, yeah, look, look, you know, some sort of normality has got to resume some, later, sooner or later. Otherwise, you know, a lot of these businesses is going to go under. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly the same with football. You know, football's going to have that exact same risk. So, as we said, it's got to come back at some point. You know, everyone wants it to come back when it's as safe as possible. Um, you just hope that the testing that they are doing and, as I said, the amount of testing that they are doing with the players, it is going to be in a safe place. Um, I feel as though the Bundesliga has has shown a lot of positive signs. Um, I know that obviously Germany are kind of in a different situation to, to how we are as a country, uh, dealing with the, 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 the whole situation. But I think it's been a really positive sign from from the Bundesliga. They've of course not really had many, you know, there's not been any hiccups as of yet. But um, you know, and again, it's a lot. Lots of the players seem pretty confident about um, about going back in. You know, it was. I'm sure they were they were part of the 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 voting and kind of having that decision in terms of wanting to to step up the next stage of training, uh, that being contact training. So I I think there are lots of you know, there's lots of positive signs that we are kind of in a position now to bring it back. But as, as as Lee said, you know, it's got to come back from the business point of view. Um, as Michael said, of course, you know, we've got to adapt and, um, you know, as, as difficult as it will be to not have fans in the ground and as strange as it will be, unfortunately, with the situation, we just have to accept that. And uh, But yeah, there's, of course, lots of positive signs about it being hopefully ready to come back.
2: Bridget, just to bring it back round to you, Jade says there about, you know, the fact that we're not going to have fans in the stadium. Um, what What's your <clears> thoughts on that and how that's going to be managed in terms of there being a case where obviously fans aren't going to know where teams are playing if it's going to be at neutral venues when the season may be concluded i mean the main point being is that how do you make sure that this is well planned well thought out because it just still feels like at the moment there's still quite a lot to still happen it still feels there's quite a, a huge amount of premier league meetings that still have to take place to decide these kind of things about neutral venues where the game's going to be held at
3: Blimey, Ricky, this is the toughest pod I've had with you. These are some seriously <laughs> tough questions. I'm used to transfer <laughs> questions. They're coming, Mike. Don't worry, mate. They're oh, coming. God.
1: They're still don't coming. Don't worry about that. That's coming. That's coming, Bridget. <laughs> don't worry about
3: that. You're now asking me to liaise with the police and the Premier League. Well, uh, if, you mind, the if you don't mind, Mike. If you don't mind, Mike. Look, I mean, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because I, I had a few text messages talking about what should I do with my season ticket. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with mine, let alone yours. Um, you know, it's still so much in the air. You know, of course, we want to see the North London Derby at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but someone might argue look, look at the away results in the Bundesliga. Is it a neutral venue, is it neutral anyway when you're playing in an empty stadium? You know, I, I looked at Bayern Dortmund the other night and it reminded me of, you know, when you're at school and the two of the best school teams are playing against each other, it's really good football. But you can hear everything that's going on. It kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Let's be honest, it had it, 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 it has lost something not having the crowd. You know, we base ourselves on in having an incredible wave following, one of the best in the country. Doesn't get talked about because we're based in London and not the Northeast. Just an opinion. But it it'll it take time. You know, the, the you know, the Premier League and the police force and everyone will have to work this out. You know, Spurs West Ham at home, Spurs Arsenal at home, even United. Liverpool's matches, this will be the key topic at the moment uh, and going forward. Uh, And for when we're back in the stadiums as supporters, uh, who knows? I mean, it is one currently really up in the air and um, and one we'd have to adhere to the rules. But uh, it's it's a real tough one. But of course, you know, going back and and as Lee, you know, you know, mentioning with the finances, let's make no mistake. This is really going to hit Tottenham hard. Um, you know they had Joshua coming up. They had summertime ball. They had rugby league. They had Saracens. They had Guns N' Roses. They had some. You know, they had so many events that were that were nailed down, which was all part of helping push Tottenham forward in terms of revenue and everything like that. That's all gone now, and it's currently a hospital. So when will Tottenham Stadium be ready? Do they just stop the hospital now because they've got a game in a couple of weeks? So. A hell of a lot to sort out even before we start the season again.
2: So that's why we have you on, Bridgie, for those kind of answers. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, I'll be fair to ask you the same question. How do you feel about neutral venues, um, that kind of proposition? Because we still don't know at the moment when the season is going to end. There's been, and I don't think you can at the moment put an end date on it because, again, this June 17th, it's a provisional date. Anything can happen, anything can change. But your feelings around the date and also around the thought of neutral venues.
1: I think the game's a good one. I think it's given us enough time, uh, you know, as from a footballing head now, you know, from a player's point of view and whatever, to try and get us you know, some fitness and, and so on and so forth. I think, uh, come back to the point I made earlier about, you know, um, the reset button. I think you said at the top of the show about the reset button. But I think that's going to really benefit, you, you mentioned this uh, on the pod earlier, Rick, I think that's going to benefit Tottenham because everyone's going to be in the same boat, aren't they? So, you know, everyone's not going to be match fit. Per se, because they haven't played matches, um, so I think that's gonna, that's gonna benefit us with, with having the, the, the lads that, that, we've already talked about coming back. Um, so I think the date's okay. Um, we, would you on this? with have to the, the, the behind closed doors. I don't like it. I don't want it to happen. Um. And uh, and I and I think that that you know it's weird. You know, you can hear the players' shit, like you just said about playing fo- school football. Like you can hear the players going oh, over a sound
0: and we are or whatever right, It's, it's even the swearing as well. It's I just mean, strange. It's
2: the swearing, the spitting. It's it, again, I, I hear a lot of opposition against the Premier League and football saying that about you know the bad language and about players spitting. And you hear players say they, they can't stop themselves. I mean, it's a very no, it's league, natural.
1: Isn't? You look at the yeah. Bundesliga. Yeah. You, sorry, sorry. You look at the Bundesliga people are high-fiving each other. It's impossible not to. Like, it is just, in, it, it, you know, ingrained in, in what we do as, uh, you know, when, when when people play football or play sports. So, you know, behind closed doors thing does bother me. But, like I said, uh, you know, a couple of minutes ago, that's not my decision. made that we are going to play behind closed doors. So the other part of the question is, right, get over that. We have to do it. What about neutral venues? I, I think I'd rather, I'd rather play in, in the grounds that we're meant to be playing in. I think. Um, I'm not sure what difference it will make if I'm brutally honest because we haven't done it before again rocking up against the Arsenal uh, Manchester United we've got to play at home West Ham at home Arsenal at home Everton at home uh, Leicester at home these are all big games that you would want to have some sort of familiarity I suppose around you know if he was playing all of them games at Actually, neutral venue could be Wembley, couldn't it? Why don't we go and play there? We've, we, that could be our second home. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think I think probably I would like to 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 stay at home for for them fixtures um, and and play at kind of a home and away type situation. And try at least at least with that scenario, you've got a bit more normality, haven't you, than, than playing all the games in different different type of stadia. But in terms of atmosphere and you know and crowds and all that, it doesn't make any difference, does it? Because no one's going to beat it.
2: That's the point. I mean, that that is a point. And Joey, bringing it around to you, you know, we mentioned there about the fans not being there, and you know, I mentioned about Spurs' form at home not being the greatest. Does it bother you too much in yes. terms of where these remaining games take place?
0: If you look at the kind of the results in the Bundesliga, uh, the majority of the games it seemed that the away side have kind of come out on top in a lot of them. Um, so really, I mean, these games have kind of been at neutral venues anyway. It doesn't really seem to have had much of an impact. And, it does really feel as though it has been at a neutral venue in terms of in the Bundesliga. Um, of course, you know, th- this is a situation we don't really know too much about at the moment. You know, a couple of months ago, of course, our opinion on football coming back completely was was completely different. So, you, you, you know, in maybe in a couple of uh, weeks' time or whatever, whether, whenever they're going to kind of discuss these, make these decisions, um, whether that be in the next week or so, you know, w- we'll know more about it. But in terms of you know what we've seen from the Bundesliga. I don't think it will have a massive impact uh, about where they're played because, as I said, you know the, the way a lot of the time the away team has seemed to come out, so, uh, come out on top. So um, really, it does kind of feel as though they have been really playing at neutral venues anyway. So um, for me, I, I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather that we did play um, at, at kind of at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, if or whatever we play at are uh, where the games were supposed to be played. And of course, you know, Spurs have already been to. A lot of those, a lot of the tougher way grounds already. Um, and as a, as I've just said, you know, you don't actually know what sort of impact that will have. But you know, I I would I would prefer it to to be at the the venues that was meant to be played originally.
2: Yeah, I think it's a case, like I say, of waiting and seeing. We know there's still going to be many, many Premier League meetings being held to discuss the neutral venues when the season will be concluded. Now, before we go for a very quick break, we're absolutely delighted to have Anna from Spurs XY featuring again on The Last Word on Spurs as Anna returns to discuss the Spurs women's season ending abruptly due to the coronavirus pandemic, what her thoughts were on the overall season and what the future holds. And after we hear from Anna... The boys are returning after the break as we discuss Jose Mourinho's interview on Sky where he discusses Spurs being injury free for now, how the coronavirus will impact Tottenham in terms of the transfer market and finally potential players that could be leaving the football club and also Louis Cambos. It's gone very, very quiet. Do not go anywhere. We are back after Anna talks us through the women.
4: Hello everyone, I'm Anna from Spurs XY and welcome back to the Spurs Women segment here on the last Word on Spurs. Um, I hope you are all staying safe and healthy in these unusual times. Now I'm here to talk to you about the fact that the Barclays FA Women's Super League and the Women's Championship have both been ended early before the season has finished and my thoughts on that and everything. So obviously. I'm very sad that the season's over, but I fully understand it. I think it was the right decision to make under the current circumstances. I don't think it's fair to risk any of the teams, the players, the fans. I think it was the right decision all round. Um, if we look at it in terms of sporting terms in, for, for, for Tottenham, we finished. Well, finished. I don't think they've officially announced who is champion and what the points are because the league is looking a bit... Uh, a bit mixed, shall we say. So currently Tottenham are sitting sixth of 15 games played in 20 points. But City, for example, are top with 16 games played with 40 points. And Chelsea are second with only 15 games played in 39 points. And you've got the likes of Birmingham who've only played 13 games. So there's a big variation there in terms of the play, which teams have played enough games and stuff. So um, we have to wait and see who will get crowned champion, who gets to go to Champions League next year, if that happens, and all that. But if we just take the current standings for Spurs in sixth place out of a a league of 12, I think that is brilliant. I must say, I am super proud of our women. Uh, Mid-table is perfect for our first season in top-flight English football. I am I couldn't be prouder of them. We hired a lot of new players this season, uh, we signed a lot of a lot of players. We have a couple of loanies as well. Um at the beginning of the season all I really wanted was for us to gel together. I think that happened. We brought we had a lot of good results. Um a lot of fun away days. Like West Ham was really good. Chelsea away day was a respectable 1-0 loss and by that I mean that obviously Chelsea are a very very good side. So um, and we had the North London Derby at the lane. So it was this amazing season. It's just so sad that it had to end the way it did. But I think there's a lot of positives to take away from it. I watched a lot of the, I read a lot of what the players have tweeted out and posted on Instagram obviously they're all unhappy but they posted so many lovely memories and and I know that there's a very tight-knit squad there now and I think they're all very excited to be able to come back next season. Uh, in terms of preparations for example we played at the Hive this season which was a new ground for us. Uh, the groundsmen have started work on there because the drainage hasn't been the best there. It's a it's a ground shared with London Bees and um, it's just there's a lot, of play, a lot of teams playing on it and as I said the drainage wasn't the best so we need that need sorting out. Hopefully that will be good. And uh, we had, I think, one, maybe two games that were postponed in the season. So it will be good to have a, a more reliable k- uh, pitch, to say the least. So um, so that's been, there's so many things have changed in just one season or one part of a season, I guess is the way to put it. But I'm super happy. We're obviously staying up. So that's great. Staying in there for the next season. Um, I think what I would like to look forward to be, to solidify this. So next season obviously do a bit better than our current position. So if we take six, then ideally a top three would be amazing. Although knocking out the City, Chelsea and Arsenal and then United are quite strong as well, to be fair. So knocking any of those out in those positions would be brilliant. Um, So top three, top four and winning derbies or winning against big names and, and just getting on a better form. I think we we kind of lost our form right before the break. Um, had a couple down games. I think we won a game, but then we had a couple. Anyway, our form wasn't consistent enough. So I think that's what I would want for next season is to to find a rhythm, to find a style that plays with us. I think there was a lot of um, experimentation with the, the team because, as I said, we, we hired or we, we signed so many players that I think both Karen and Juan had to figure out what was our best team. So it'd be nice to see what our what our first team is properly cemented next year. Obviously, um, every player will have a, an extra year's experience in the WSL if they haven't already, and there will be a year older if they were f- like a bit young this season, for example. So, it, and a year that they've played together, um, more training to come. I think it's just a big experience for everyone, and um, I think we should just need to build on that, as I said. So, mainly to to get a good. Good momentum with it and uh, a good rhythm because you know you have to you have a have to good solid foundation. I'm not I'm not saying we should aim for the title because I said we have a lot of strong competitors in this league. I just think we need to establish ourselves in this league and then gradually build up from there. It's been it's been a hell of a journey um, since uh, I started supporting the the club back in 2017 or yeah actually 2017. May 28th um three years ago since I'm recording this and uh and it's been a hell of a journey and it's been beautiful watching them progress and and get promoted all the way up here but the job is is actually the toughest is now here we're at the top and we have to stay here and we have to to keep pushing on um I believe in Karen and Juan I think they've done an amazing job so far they won um the manager of the month award this year as well in the season and they're just whatever they do is just brilliant. I really like the style of football we play. It's proper, um, proper passing football, and the proper team spirit around it as well. So uh, I couldn't, I couldn't be prouder of the ladies. So yeah, um, a lot of lot of memories this season. As I said, I think the North London derby was brilliant. It's just a shame that we didn't really get the result that I think we deserved. Um, I think the atmosphere in the end got the better of us, and and Arsenal's um experience showed there because we had a couple good chances in the first half we just couldn't take it and then Arsenal just just ran away with it but as I said that's their experience coming out they're a Champions League side uh, multiple champions as well so you know um that's what we hopefully we can aim to be but it's nice to be up there in contention with them finally and hopefully we can keep aiming to raise the the profile of women's football I read a couple things that people are saying that the, the whole pandemic and the situation's not helped us I I would disagree with that. I think um, we can come back even stronger next season. There are a lot of things that we can take away from this and a lot of ways to, to build a profile of the women's football. I've genuinely really enjoyed going to games. I think um, if I compare it with the men's game as well, obviously this season for the men has been rather interesting, to say the least, with um, Pochettino sacking and then Mourinho coming in. Our style has changed somewhat and um, the women doing so well and bringing... Uh, nice refreshing style of football or a refreshing type of atmosphere at the games as well has been really really good so um so yeah it's been a, an amazing season i'm um, a bit sad that it's had to come to a, a quick end but i'm really glad that i've been able to go to um most or some of the home games and a few away games going to a london stadium Uh, supporting Tottenham against West Ham and not having a fear at all it was quite good um Lucy Quinn's birthday goal for example and and singing a lot of songs this season's been really good shout out to the proud Lily Whites for for coming up with a lot of songs and that's been a lot of fun this season and just seeing more people come out and supporting our women um Raising our profile within the club, I think that's been brilliant as well. So, yeah, I think just a lot of positives from my my end. And uh, honestly, all I can see is just going onwards and upwards. It's just a really good team, really good um, effort we've got going on here. And uh, I just hope it can continue. So that's pretty much from me. It's quite short, I know, but I hope you are all well. I hope you enjoyed the rest of the show. And come on, you spares. Hello and
2: welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. As always, thank you for continuing to download us during this very difficult time. We've heard the news this week that Spurs are welcoming back four key first-team players Jose Mourinho revealed to Sky Sports. And, you know, we have to... Can't forget here that Sissoko required knee injury surgery in January, while Stephen Bergeron was feared to be out for the rest of the season with an ankle injury. And obviously he had Hummin missing Harry Kane. Mike, you mentioned this at the very top of the show... Just how incredible is it to have these four players back and your thoughts now on Spurs restarting the season with those guys
3: available? When Spurs announced um, Son's badly damaged elbow and broken arm, Spurs' season for me was over and it proved to be the case. They were toothless. Uh, And I wasn't... I I didn't think it was unlucky. I was angry. And I've probably said it to you and a few of the other guys. You know, it was just negligence for not bringing in that second striker. Yep, all good, Lorente move on, best wishes. But what, it was just an absolute outrage that they didn't have someone on the bench. And as I said on Sky, and I've said it on Sky live before, people have got to get this out of their heads about being second to Harry Kane. The reality is, is that Harry Kane, unfortunately, will probably encounter injuries for the rest of his career. You know, he's had three horror ankle injuries, maybe even four, and he had a ruptured, the word ruptured hamstring in January, which would have put him out until late April, as we know. And how toothless Spurs were without him and Min Son. I mean, you know, it was, Norwich at home. I was looking at Norwich and then playing us off the park. You know, the games where I just, you'd think Spurs would win. It just, Spurs were nowhere to be seen. It was horrible viewing. Uh, and when Mourinho said, I just wanted it to be July now, you just felt, yeah, just write the season off. You know, I was really disappointed about not having a second strike. It was silly. They tried last couple of days. Uh, Giroud was keen to come. Uh, like I think I said in the January pod before and that's come to fruition, that's been mentioned Um, but yeah Spurs need to start thinking now that it's got to be Son, Kane and another because I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news but Kane can easily pick up another bad one again it it will happen at some point Uh, and it will cost Spurs because it it, could have cost them before this break but now going forward, let's be positive they're all back um, and they all look happy, all raring to go so you know what happened, lads, the night before. I know, Bridgie, I know it's coming. Team news. <laughs> <laughs> Tango Belly and Eric Lemesson. Oh LeMesson. my god. You yeah. can just see it now, can't you? Oh. No, no. But in all seriousness, I hope even t- talking about Ten guy that he's he's had a bit of a break, like mm. not just physically, but mentally as well.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, you know, well, I think maybe we're all a bit too quick to, to tr- expect too much of people. You know, he's okay, he's a big bit big price tag, but it's a big move for him as well. Another country. So Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. I certainly didn't want him sold for goodness sake. So, yeah, we start start on zero again. And I certainly hope as well that they allow Bergwijn to be rotated because I I remember saying to my dad or whoever it was, he is being completely overplayed. And I don't think Spurs saw the best of him because he was exhausted and he ended up getting that injury.
2: I felt like he played pretty every game. Up until when he got that injury, it felt like he was always on the field, whether he was starting or coming on. He had, I definitely think he competed in every single one of those games up until the injury. And I think like you said there, that that was a big problem. But I mean, for you, Lee, having this squad available to us, however long that may be in terms of a fully fit squad. I say fully fit, available squad, because we don't know fitness wise what they're like. How confident are you, Lee, that we can really have a positive end to the season? Because you look at the table. And uh, no, we as you leave you strongly advice, don't do that. Uh, we're seven points off <laughs> seven points off the current top four. We've got nine Premier League games left. You look at City, we don't know what's gonna happen in terms of their appeal to UEFA. Are you confidently or any way do you believe Spurs could still finish in that top four? Or top five?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean look, you know, coming to me on that question, you know what I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna be doom and gloom, am I Rick? Jesus. And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm the uh, I'm the optimism. Of course. I'm Mr. Optimistic Man. And and I've done some stats. I've got my little blue book out. I'm sure the fans are raving for my little blue book. Right I've got this. it back out and I've done, some, I've done some little stats on it. And actually what's quite interesting is that twelve games in we were fourteenth in the table, um with um with fourteen points and uh Prochicino got sacked, it was the day after obviously we drew a chef United, um, and then we went and with Jose coming in, we beat West Ham. We went on a bit of a run. And the next nine games, we accumulate nineteen points. Um, the next, the, the next nine games that we've now got is, uh, is is well documented, as you say. We've got United at home, West Ham at home, Sheffield United away, Evan at home, Bournemouth away, Gooners at home, Palace away, Leicester at home, Newcastle away. And actually, when you look at fixtures on paper, I know we don't play the game on paper. Can we go on a run to get us? the best part of 18, 19, 20-odd points out of that lot. And and, and actually, you, you could say that, you know, Jose's done it before. He took us from 12th to, um, uh, sorry, 14th to uh, to 5th, one point behind Chelsea. And that game was crucial that we lost against the uh, the Chelsea. Um, and uh, can we do it again? It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all, Rick, and, and, and the lads and the listeners, if we went on a run that saw us kind of unbeaten in the next nine games. Wouldn't surprise me. Because I think that's the mentality of what we've got. I think um, Bridget and Nell on the edge. When when you take out, and I think Jamie said this a couple of weeks ago as well, to be fair to you, but when you take out Son and you take out Harry Kane out of any team in the world, you're going to have an issue, right? You're going to have a problem, and that's exactly what happened. And then you take out Sissoko on top of that as well. Then you take out uh, Bergi, that obviously came in, and like you said, he's been playing. And I actually think in a, a verse sort of way him playing so much football is actually bedded in him really, really quickly into Premier League. So now we've had this forced break. I think that's going to benefit Berge. I think that lacelso um, I think, uh, we've, we've talked about, uh, 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 Tungai. I think I tweeted about Tungai in a week. You know, he's, um, I think he's going to be an absolutely world-class player. I genuinely do. I think that if he gets his... Like, like, Again, like I think you know it, Bridget, when you talked about mentality as well, because you know, this guy is 22 or 23 years old. He's coming to a different league, different country. You know, his, his main man, is interpreter, his bestie on the pitch has just been injured and he's out for the season, you know, potentially in terms of Sissoko. Uh, we've also had... Hugo Lloris being injured this year. He's been our he's been our captain. We've also sacked our manager uh, twelve games into the season. Um, you know, this is a massive upheaval in the entire club. Then you put onto the uh, in, into the fact that again, what what Bridget talked about before about we've got to turn a. The the stadium back from hospital back into a stadium again. Massive, massive, massive upheaval. And then you look at them fixtures, and you look at this break, and everybody's recharged, everybody's revitalised, everybody's clucking if, if if I can say that uh, on on the Podrick that you know everyone's clucking to get back in onto the onto the hallowed uh, turf. And there's a massive motivation there for Tottenham now. There's a huge motivation there to to to, to win some points and to get back up the league. Full spot isn't out of the question. You know, you want to write it off, then, you know, fine. Go and write it off. But I won't be writing it off. It's still there. You know, there's, there's other teams in and around us that are having fantastic seasons that we actually don't know how they're going to come back after this break. I think that's a massive point. You know, Sheffield United, outstanding season. Like, top, top season. Brilliant, brilliant. But how do you know they're not going to come back? After this break, one of their key players gets injured. They're they're a bit rusty from, from the break that they've had. You just don't know. You don't know that's going to happen with, with Arsenal or Wolves. You, it might happen to Tottenham, of course, but you know, we've probably already seen that rustiness. So so I think from an optimistic perspective, can we claw, can we get 2019, 20, 20, 21 points or whatever out of them fixtures? Yes, I think we can. Can we get a top four? We, we are now relying on other results outside of that as, as well, as as you well know. But look, let's let's take it. This is little mini league. I don't know if you guys agree with me. It's a little mini league whereby we can go that Liverpool have won the title. City are um, uh, uh, may or may not get banned or, or uh, may not be, but the rest of them like coming from you know you know from from second down to probably ninth. That's a mini-league and we can go out there and can we be top of that mini-league at the end of the season? And if we are, will that get us in the top four? Maybe.
2: I mean, Jay, we also know Mourinho has been staying with his Spurs coaches during this lockdown period. You know, he's probably watched back all these Spurs games, reviewed a lot of content in terms of what he feels maybe moving forward is going to be his desirable team. I mean... He must be coming back now, and it sounds silly again. It's to say, this, a, a better manager or, or a better head coach to know what Tottenham mm. need now to move forward with the squad he's got. Because he always made the point that when he came to Tottenham, yep. it wasn't just about future transfer winners. it's because he was also liking the squad he was going to inherit, and now he needs to use that to his advantage by having these players back with him.
0: On Lee's point, in terms of we don't know how teams are going to come back. I think that is a very good point. I think you only have to look at Leipzig and and the kind of the start that they've made to the Bundesliga. Um, they've dropped uh, they've dropped points in two games. Uh, they drew two games, which kind of they were expected to win. I think they were both games that were actually played at home. So again, another interesting point in terms of uh, that whether whether what the kind of the venues that we're playing at. But look, from a Spurs perspective, I'm I'm very very excited uh, for for this thing uh, for for the return of football. I think the big thing is it's been a real reset for Spurs. It's been a re- it's been a really good chance to kind of hit that reset button at Spurs. You know, of course, we came really straight into the into the new season off the back of a, the biggest defeat in the club's history in that Champions League final. The players haven't really had that chance to kind of recover from that and really had a, a real chance to to get over that. And it does feel as though in kind of everything that they've done in terms of preparing the players for the, the new season, in terms of all these Zoom meetings, and of course, Jose Mourinho mentioned it on his interview, um, that, they, you know, he wanted to keep the players... Um, feeling like they're part of a squad, and I think that Spurs have done that really well, and that they've kind of managed to to get the the morale in terms of the squad uh, in a really good place. Um, and yeah, I just, as I said, it's a it's a brilliant chance for Spurs to hit that reset button. I mentioned earlier about Mourinho. I think it's been a perfect chance for him to kind of get to know the players better, to get his message across. Um, and of course, that will come even better when he's had a chance over the next couple of weeks to get his message across on the training pitch and working with his players properly. Um, yeah, for, for so many players, and uh, of course, as, as we said, with you know before the before the break when we had the likes of Kane and Son out to take that many goals out of the team, I, I saw it was like fifty percent of the goals taken out of Spurs' teams. So that was always going to be a massive blow. Um, but yeah, I'm just very excited to see all the players come back. I think Tongi and Ndombele, he looks in really good shape from the images that we've seen. Um, and of course, as the guys said, I think that it has been a really difficult time. And I, I, I've mentioned it before about Tongi. You know, he, he's, had a, he's been dealt a really difficult hand at Spurs. He's, of course, coming into a new league. Of course, we know that step up from, from the French league into the Premier League is very difficult to make. A lot of players have, have struggled to do that in kind of their first season. But we know he's got the talent to do to, to come in and do that. He, of course, had a managerial change. The man that he, he signed for, Maurizio Pochettino, has now left the club. Um, he's, of course, picked up so many injuries. And, and as I've said, you know, it's, it's very difficult mentally to kind of come back from that. Um, he's, of course, had a lot of abuse from the supporters, which I'm sure, you know, he would have he probably been aware of. So he's had so many difficult uh, circumstances, but he's a player that I, I'm very excited to see come back after the break. He does look like, as I said, in a really good position. Harry Kane, of course, uh, Spurs released those, those images and uh, videos on Twitter of the, the shape that he's in and kind of the position that he's in. Um, you saw some of those finishing and it just looks very exciting. And, um, you know, of course, we've got the other guys back, Sun, Sissoko, uh, Bergvine. So, for me, I, I am genuinely very excited. And, you know, I, I, I do agree with Lee. I think that Spurs are more than capable of going on a, a, a really successful run to end the season. And I think that for Spurs, I know that a lot of us, maybe at the the start of this whole pandemic, we we thought that maybe ending the season um, would would be the best for Spurs. But actually, I think that continuing the season is something that is going to benefit us um, because it, it really we're in a position where we've got nothing to lose. Really, only we can only gain in this from this situation um, in terms of going up the league in 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 the table. Um, So, I am very excited uh, to see Spurs return.
2: Bridgie, one of the things that Mourinho did mention in that interview that Sky did was that he does believe the forthcoming transfer window will vastly impact due to that coronavirus that we're (laughs) suffering at the moment. He says that Spurs will be sensible in the upcoming window, whenever that may be. And he claims that the summer transfer window, whenever that will be, is the last thing on the Cubs' mind at the moment. Now... From the outside, when Mourinho came in, I think many might have assumed that he would want to try and spend big like he's done with his previous clubs, Chelsea, Real Madrid, United. He may not get that opportunity at Tottenham. How do you think he's going to cope with the squad he's got in place? Do you think it's good enough for where he can take Tottenham
3: to want to be? No, to be honest. Um, I think it took me until Brighton, the 3-0, that made me fully realise that actually slapped me in the face and realised that this squad's done and it needs a real MOT. And I never really realised it. I, I said the summer before that we should do enough to finish third again. But players had dropped their heads, lost the yard of pace. A couple of players didn't want to be there anymore. A couple of The new signings hadn't fit in just yet. Real problems. Uh, I look at Tottenham's alter, you know, alternatives if there were not more injuries again. I don't think they're good enough. Uh, I think they need a better number two. I think the full-backs are poor. You've got ageing centre-backs. I think we need a bit more cover in the central midfield area. Need another striker. So, and I don't mean to be... Apart from that. (laughs) No, I I just want to be realistic. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to be back as well. And I totally agree with the guy. I think being back and the break has given Spurs a real sort of time to reset. I, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. But I don't think this is the squad. People around the country and around Europe admire the bustling run of, of Dembele and, you know, Ericsson's through balls, Ericsson's last minute goals. We haven't got that anymore. And I, I you know, and, and although it's brilliant seeing the likes of the Celso coming through, I I still think this this squad needs to take shape properly. Uh, I I I hope I'm wrong with this with Mourinho, because obviously we're all desperate to win a trophy, because we're all sick to death of people rival fans sending us jokes and gifts and stuff like that about trophies. I just hope I'm wrong in my fear that it's the right man at the wrong time. Uh, the reason why I say that is because, look, I think he did a good job at Man United. He won the Europa League, which is a slog, and the L- League Cup in his first year and they finished second. I think that's pretty decent for anyone. I think Spurs would take that. Um, but as you rightly say, you know, the, the football is going to be totally different. Life's going to be different, as we've already said. Money. You know, Tottenham are going to, are going to have about eighty hundred million to spend. You'll be seeing a lot of swap deals in football. You'll be seeing part exchanges in football. You'll be seeing if Tottenham wants someone, don't, don't believe me, they'll be offering someone back. That's what football will be like going forward now. I do laugh at certain articles and reports linking clubs with 50 million, 200 million moves for players. You could buy a football club in this current environment, you know, Lee, you know more than me on the business side of it. You know, it's crazy to even be coming up with figures right now because transfer fees will change. And Jose is absolutely right about that. And also, let's give him some credit. He doesn't want to come on Sky Sports and say, I need five new players. What's that going to do about the mentality of the players he's got? You know, he he needs this current squad firing on all cylinders. No one knows yet. And I'm always deeply involved with transfers as my job. But I don't know when the, the transfer window will open again. So it's irrelevant, really, for Jose to even think about it. I think we can all agree on what we need. You know, right back, left back, wherever. We've all got our opinions on that. But at the moment, he's right. It is irrelevant. Let's get this season out of the way and let's go with the squad we've got.
2: Bridget, just on the transfers, I did say I would ask you a couple of questions. You know, from, again, the outside looking in, we, we seem to hear these reports, like you mentioned there, that Spurs are preparing for a window, whatever that may be, where there won't be much money to spend. It will be hugely dependent on free transfers, loan players, part of swap deals, raising funds through player sales. But we're hearing again with the likes of Danny Rose and Walker Peters that they're likely to probably carry on their loan spells at their respective clubs until the very end of the season. Can you, do you know anything about that at all? Do you reckon they'll most likely stay with Southampton and Newcastle <clears throat> respectively?
3: Yeah, I, from whispers I'm getting, I think that's that's going to be the case. Um, I think it does Tottenham no uh, no favors really calling Carl Walker Peters just to put him back on the bench. I think you know Sergio is the number one right back. I mean he is the ultimate marmite with Spurs fans, but he can put other players there, uh, and I'm not convinced Mourinho, is convinced by him. Um, also, well, there is an interest in uh, Southampton's midfielder, Holberg, uh, the ex-Bayern Munich midfielder. Now, like uh, I'm talking about player exchanges and swaps, there's an example. If Southampton like Walker, what they see of Walker-Peters, who knows down the line? Um, I also think Danny Rose's time at Spurs is up. Uh, I don't think he'd want to come back now anyway. I think he, he, he he's a northern boy anyway from... What I'm hearing as well, that he enjoyed his first few weeks at Newcastle anyway. So, yeah, I'm happy to put on record that. I'd be, I'd be very surprised if both came back. I'm, I think Spurs would probably be happy with with both to stay until, well, let's say August. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that will happen.
2: Also, Bridgie, Vertonghen, you know, this is a situation where, I mean, if we are going to kick off the football on June the 17th and the games are going to be staggered, as we know, across weekends, then it is likely that the games are going to continue Past his contract comes to an end. Do we think that we may agree terms to with Tonga on a new deal again? Probably just to take us to whenever that season may end. Or could we have seen already the end of Jan Tonga in a spur shirt?
3: Yeah, this is really interesting, one, Rick, and it could also involve Spurs with players coming in. You know, Spurs will look at the the free market. When I say free, you know, obviously big wages, but no no transfer fee. I, I think Jose Mourinho is is is. He's very good in the, in the sense of the scouting knowledge. He knows who he wants. He knows every league, watches every league. He will know the kind of players Spurs need. Uh, in terms of Jan Vertonghen, the little whispers I was getting, it was probably likely that Jan would move on and probably abroad. The only issue now there is, is in terms of, is Jan, who's got a young family, he's a family man, a great guy, does he uproot... And start a new life in Italy, for example, or Spain. So that one's gone a bit quiet at the moment. We all know how much he loves the club and how loves Tottenham and what a great servant he's been. But we also know that it's not been a great season for him. And I think, was it the game against Southampton um, where he got brought off? Uh, it was all so, so sad to see. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not the Vertonghen yeah. we remember. Um, again, I think that's another wait-and-see, Rick, in terms of the whole broad agreement in terms of contracts running out. Because in terms of players coming in, Spurs will be really keen to bring in a few freebies as well.
2: Lee, let's get your thoughts on that. I know you've been very, very keen on the on the business aspect to say, look, football, it's not going to be the same when we do go back in terms of a transfer window. We're not going to have the 80, 90 million to spare work that we've got and do the very best with what we've got and then see what else may come in the free market or through player swaps. I mean, this is where Mourinho, like Bridgie says there, we've got a manager that knows the market so well and we may be relying on him for those contacts that he's got in the game.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's interesting as well. It's ironic, isn't it, that we sacked the the manager previous that was known to uh, uh, trust in youth and develop youth to be amazing um, from from nowhere, bringing the likes of of people like Eric Dyer for three million quid. Uh, and, and making him a bit of a powerhouse uh, for, for a few, a few seasons, uh, for sure, anyway. Um, it's quite ironic that we, we sacked him and then got in a manager that basically loves to spend money in transfer windows uh, in order to, to get the squad that he likes. Um, uh, yeah, who, who knows how that will pan out? I think that the contacts that Jose's got, the, the knowledge of the game that he has... I absolutely agree with with Bridget and you on that, Rick. That you know that that has to come into play um, for 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 sure. Um, the bit that I don't uh, agree with, actually, um, uh, if if I can uh, disagree with Bridgie tonight, is uh, you know the the actual squad itself. I mean, I've just written down a team, and, I, and I'm struggling. Uh, you know, I'm struggling here uh, to 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 find a team. You know, to get everybody in the team. You know, when you look through the team, who, who do you play? What formations? Who do you play in, in certain positions? You know, there were there were six contract rebels that we labelled back in, uh, August, September of 2019, Ericsson, Toby, Yan, Rose, Ori and Wanyama. Uh, Wanyama's moved on, didn't get moved on under Poch, but Joso moved him on. Rose moved on, uh, moved him on, uh, under, um, uh, under Jose. he got Toby to sign a new contract, which Poch couldn't do, um, and he's moved Ericsson on for you know that big Ericsson saga and so on and so forth. So there's only a couple of players left. Right, we just talked, <laughs> Bridget just said he's Marmite. He's not in my side. So uh, that's how Marmite is for me. Um, and then the only other player that you've just discussed at a little bit of length is obviously Jan Vertonghen, so you know about that. that. That actually means that the whole you know, rebuild, if you like, or the whole change in squad mentality. Some of the players that have down tools and not wanting to play anymore. A, a lot of them uh, are within the, them six rebels. And actually, when you start looking at the, 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 the team sheet now, you've got a Luis, to, uh, you know, Toby and Sanchez, central defenders. You've got Davis on the left. I would personally play Tanganga. Uh, on the right-hand side, to to become uh, you know a power uh, a power right back like a Ivanovic type character, um, you, you could play depending on formation, or uh, uh, you know you could play a holding midfielder in in uh, um, Ndombele, um with Deli and Le Celso just in front within the front three of Lucas, Kane, and Son. I mean, you know, and then on the bench, you've got the likes of Winks, Jens, Jan, because he's still here. Dyer, Aurier, Berge, Lamella, Sessignon, Gazaniga to come in as a number two, Oliver Skip. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to chase Liverpool down in the next nine games. That's mathematically impossible. But what I am saying is when you look at that and you look at the age of them, you know, you've got, you know, got a lot of players in there that are sub-24 years old or 24 years old. And and actually, with, with a world-class manager like Jose Mourinho, maybe we don't need to go into the transfer market as much. I know that will be, Pain, painfully for you free to hear because you, you, you love transfers of course but again just from a, from a point of view of you, you mentioned about the business side and Bridget you, you touched on it again before is that we're not going to be doing £50 million deals, £60 million deals. When has Spurs ever done a £70 million deal by the way? Never in our history so that's never on the table and it definitely won't be uh post-COVID-19, uh, I think that now in the in the transfer market, using his contacts, using where it is, again, I'm not saying that we've got a perfect squad, but actually we've got rid of a lot of the the trouble in the camp or the contract rebels. And, and actually with this reset, with people that are now fully fit, we can almost look at it as a, as a fresh start and say, right, okay, let's build from, from here. It's quite interesting to hear Jamie talk about 50% of our, Goals were lost when Son and Kane were injured, and right, rightly so. But actually, when you look at when you look at the amount of goals we've scored in the Premier League versus the amount of goals that we've shipped, that's our problem. The problem has been a holding midfielder and our defences, like our left-backs, our right-backs, or you know potentially centre-backs as well. And that is notoriously where Jose Mourinho sorts out his teams in, in either his first season after a pre-season, or certainly his second season, in, in which case he's kind of had half-and-half half in, in this instance at Tottenham. So let's see how we, t- we, we we come back at the restart. But but again, I'm optimistic. You know, we might play a 4-3-3, three, three, um, in which case you've got, you know... The, the interviews that Sky do and, uh, and Bridgie does and whatever with Jose, they're brilliant. And they give us such a fantastic insight into his mind and how it works. I can't remember what, uh, when, when I saw this, um, but I saw an interview with Joe and he talked specifically about having options. And he always likes to have options. So coming off on the bench, you know, to have a, a, a bergy in your, in your pocket to come off the bench and change the game and run at people or on to come and change a game and run at people. You know, we've got Jetson. You know, for you know, I don't even know how good he's going to be. You know, we, we've got we've got options to be able to come off the bench when we've got that fully fit squad. I know we haven't got a second backup striker, and I echo exactly what Bridgie said at the beginning of the show. Uh, and yes, we need to have a holding midfield player. Um, you know, and Holberg might be, might be an option there. Um, and for, for, to be fair to you, you've been calling out the the left back and the right back for uh, for a couple of seasons now. Oh, so we're definitely not 100%. perfect. We're yeah. definitely not perfect. Mm. But but when you look at the the, the nucleus or the core. Of where we can go, can we build a team that can 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 challenge? Is that team that I've just read out there better than the Manchester United team that Jose took over that won the Europa League and the League Cup and finished second, as Bridgie just rightly said? And for me, in my
3: opinion, I think it is. But if you look at modern day football now, you look at the importance of the wing backs and the full backs, and you look at our to- great Tottenham with a great Carl Walker and a good Danny Rose. Yeah. You look at Trent Alexander Arnold and Robinson and Robertson. We're talking yeah. about if we get him in, if we get him in. Mm. We're also saying we might not be able to. I look, I don't think it's that great a squad at the moment. And I'm just being realistic to people. It's great having these players back, but you're saying if we get these players, at the moment, I I, I just don't. Are these full-backs even a top, are they top four? Are they top six? Are they no, top I,
2: ten? I think, I think that's the problem, Bridgie, like you say there, that at the moment, I mean, I would say, just on the back of what league's comparison there, for me, I think it's, in aspects, a good team. It's nowhere near a, a good squad enough for me to really look to try and compete with the likes of the, the cities and the Liverpools. I mean, Jay, we have to also not forget that, you know, of course, we're so excited for the football. And I think this is what happens a lot, that when a player gets injured... In your mind, if he's out for a long time, he end up he ends up going up in your estimations. I mean, when Eric Dyer was out for a long yeah. time, when Eric Dyer came back. We were so excited to see Eric Dyer come back. We have to remember who that player was, yeah. who this team was. This was the same team, let's not forget, that had that horrendous result against RB yeah. Leipzig. It was the same team, I think, in the Premier League that were, again, going on a, a winless run of three games. We got the draw against Burnley. Um, we weren't playing the greatest of football, so we went out of the FA Cup to Norwich. We can't get away from this squad. Does need still a lot of work. And we're really relying on Jose Mourinho to work with what he's got and then contacts in the industry to see if we can try and get this Spurs squad back to some kind of position where it can compete. There's a lot of work to still be done here.
0: I think in terms of the fullbacks, that's a really interesting point, actually, because I I definitely agreed with everything Lee said in terms of how good our squad is. But I've kind of said the same recently as well. I think that fullbacks are really becoming a massive part of the modern game. I think if you look at, you know, that that example of, of Rose and Walker, we were so fantastic because we had that sort of service from them. You know, you've got the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold now kind of dictating the game from right back. And that, and that is a really good point. I um, mean, as, as where I would have, I was going to, you know, I, I totally agree in terms of we've got such a fantastic squad, uh, which I'll come on to in a minute. That is the I mean that really is our biggest weakness. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the likes of, Sergio Aurier and Ben Davis, you know, that's well off. Um, at, you know, the, certainly the top, top six in terms of uh, ranking of fullbacks, um, And that, that really is the biggest concern for me at the moment. But I, I, I do agree totally with what Lee says. I really do believe we've still got a very strong, uh, t- certainly, a, certainly a very strong team. Uh, maybe you could question whether the squad. I think the other, the other interesting point as well is we've got a lot of good players come out of the academy, uh, you've got Troy Parrott, of course, coming through. You've got Oliver Skip, who I, I, I was, I've always been very impressed with. I've always been very keen for him to get those opportunities. But I think that Harry Winks is a player that will really benefit from having um, some some proper, uh, you know, some really talented players around him. I think if he has that around him, then he can become a top player. I think we've seen in some of his performances against uh, the likes of Barcelona. I think last season. Uh, at Wembley, we saw his performance against Real Madrid two or three years ago. Um, so I, I, I think when you when you look at that team, you know you've got the likes of Lascelles, so and then Don Ballet potentially in the midfield three. You could potentially have the answer of a holding midfielder and Harry Winks. I think he's shown that he can do that. Um, now I think when he has been when when he has struggled, I think he's maybe been alongside in maybe a two along with Sissoko. So if you've got that quality in the, in there with him. I think that Harry Winks is certainly a, a player to look out for. You've, of course, got Dennis, uh, Dennis Kirkin, uh, the, the young left-back, coming out of the academy, another very exciting one. And, of course, you know, it would be, be great to hear from, from John about the, the guys coming through the academy because I think there is a lot to come out. Um, and, and one thing, I know, and, and it does frustrate me a bit, um, of course, people always say about Jose Mourinho and, and how he handles youth, well, actually, I, I think if you look at that example of Jaffa Tanganga and kind of the trust that he put in him, you know, that wasn't something that Maurizio Pochettino did. And, you know, he came in straight away. It was one of, I think it was one of Mourinho's first games and he kind of put that trust in, in, in Tanganga and, and look where he is now. You know, we're all very excited to see him. I think there is a, a very good starting eleven there. I do think, you know, you, you look at the attack as well. i said the midfield, you've got the, the forwards, the likes of Bergvine, Kane, Sun, Ali, uh, you know, potentially the Celso. So so you've got so many uh, good attacking options. Of course, the issue maybe is is the defence. I think, in terms of the central defenders, um, I I, I would have liked to have seen, um, you know, of course, this situation aside, I would maybe have liked to have seen another central defender come in. But I do think that we have got three really strong centre backs there. I know a lot of people will disagree with Davinson Sanchez, but for me i do think that he will become a top player especially as he continues to learn um, and, and improve i think that he will be a top player in time i think that uh, toby you just hope that he can give us maybe one more year um and and jack tanganga i mean he's a guy I'm, i i'm seriously excited to see at Spurs. i think he's a guy of course what another one of our own a very talented player as much as it is, it is frustrating. You know, we, we've how many times have we gone on the show and said, you know, we, we know we need new players, um, but I do think the current squad there is a lot uh, a lot of cause for optimism. And of course, as as I mentioned, you know, th- this whole reset button, you know, the, the players did not have a chance to really mentally have a a chance to refresh uh, since that Champions League final. It kind of came straight away. So I think that it has been a really good chance for them to kind of get to know each other during this whole lockdown period in terms of all the meetings that they've been doing. The same with the manager. Of course, they've got new manager with new ideas and he, of course, got to know them all better. So for me, I, I, I'm, I'm still positive about the squad and it is frustrating about transfers, but I still think that we've got a, a very good squad there.
2: I think the biggest thing we've definitely seen with this Spurs squad over the last couple of years is the amount of individual errors, and I feel like we were repeating that every single show we did in the building. Hundred percent before yeah. before COVID. I think that was a thing that you know we all saw that on a weekly basis. You know, you can you, know, you can give the players the best coaching in the world, but once that player crosses the white line. And the amount of individual errors we were making game by game in big games, in not yeah. so big games, you know, it's that a difficult thing to try and eradicate? And I think that's one of the tricky things that this Spurs team, a lot of this squad, I think, Bridget, you said as well that it's it's gone through so many disappointments that in a way it's been used to losing. And that's my biggest worry, that it does need a, a shake up. But the issue we've got now is that we're going through this pandemic where it's going to change football entirely. And this is where Mourinho may have to look at the youth to see what we've got there. And he's done it before with bringing the likes of Tanganga through. Um, He's shown he's not afraid to turn that way. And I think we're going to have to be more and more open to it as the season, whenever it does resume, does happen. But Bridgie, I have to ask you finally, last couple of weeks we saw a lot of speculation over Luis Campo, the sporting director of Lille, potentially coming to Spurs. It's gone quiet, I think it's fair to say, over this last week or so, where he's now expected to remain at the French club. Anything you can tell us before we finish up? (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, it's funny because the day Jose was appointed, I was actually live outside the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and I said that I ex- I expected him to, to join with Jose eventually because uh, obviously he brought a couple of other coaching staff there uh, from Lille. Um, funny one this, uh, all of a sudden he's become one of the most wanted or the most wanted director of football in world football. Um, he said to us on Sky about a year ago that I will follow Jose Mourinho wherever he goes. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, And I must admit, I was excited. And I do think Spurs desperately lack that link between board and coaching staff.
1: Um, I agree
3: 100%. Yeah, I mean, look, we we can whittle off the successes and failures of Camoli, Arneson... But Mitchell Mitchell was a good 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 scout. Mm, um, yeah. He's doing well at Leipzig, and I just think when if someone like Campos, who is like a really close close friend to Jose, it's not it would be someone like uh, like a director who they don't know. That's when they don't work. However, uh, it does sound a bit like that he's not going to be leaving now. So it, that one is up in the air. I mean, I did contact people, and when it did, there was reports from France that he'd left Lille. Some had jumped the gun and said he's joining Tottenham, and I was told that wasn't the case. And I tweeted that, uh, and I hate being the bearer of bad news. Um, you always want to tweet something positive, and I think that would be a real positive for Spurs, uh, you know. But as it stands right now, it doesn't look like that's happening. Um, but I must say, if it did happen, I think that would be a, a brilliant appointment. I really do. I, I was going to
1: ask. I was going to ask you, Bridget, Do you think it would be brilliant? Because I, I, I got to admit, I was quite excited by it. You know, yeah, in all the I, financial I, upheaval that we've just been talking about, this guy knows how to scout and find people and get brilliant <laughs> footballers. And I, I must admit, I was excited
3: by it. I, I just think it works when the coaching staff are close with the person who who scouts. Uh, mm. You know, we could go on forever. We could all look at the signings and grade them ourselves. But you'd look at the signings we've probably made. We've maybe got as many wrong as we've got right over the over the years. And then there was that unacceptable summer of signing no one, which has probably bitten us on the backside two years on. Um, So yes, Spurs do need someone, him really. Um, But I'd love to say on this pod that it's close to happening, but that's not the case. But I I, I hope he does come at some stage. And you know, I mean, look, let's. I want to be positive, so I don't like being negative when I talk about this squad. Because I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I just, I just feel Spurs. So brilliant under Dembélé and Ericsson and and I still feel, think they'll miss that the Ericsson we knew. But I hope I'm I'm wrong. They come out of the blocks and they win the games that you know some really tough home games. You know because it is yeah. a good team. The, the boys are right. Um But yeah, it, it's all a wait and see. Um, but I, I'd love I'd I'd love him to come. I I think that's just the kind of person Spurs need, and uh, how much he would do towards he the club die. and bring it and bringing special players in and getting them on good deals, because a lot of it will be uh, the famous two words, wheeler dealing.
2: (laughs) Well, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I think like you said there, Mike, it's very important the man they bring in, that Mourinho has the full trust in him, because if they don't bring in a man that Mourinho has either worked with before or has a close connection with, the kind of person he is, it doesn't take much to upset him. And, you know, he is here for three years as things stand. Um, And I think it's so important, like you said there, that we get that link right if we are going to bring in a director of football. And hopefully, like I say, in the future that very well, maybe that man. So it's well, uh, to keep it uh, up. There's,
3: there's two, Yeah, I mean, there's two types of director direct of football. I mean, there's one who would probably work with the Martin Yol, for example, where the director of football would work with the board and then the board would say, look, Martin, we've signed you this player. Or, or it happens at other clubs. Look, we've signed you this player. Happen, it happened for decades in Spain and Italy. We've signed you this player. Then the manager says, nah, I'm not a fan of him. Oh, it's done. Tough. But on this occasion with Mourinho, or, or, or when it works, when you're in cahoots with the director of football, it can it can be absolutely brilliant. And I think if you look at all the top clubs, I mean, it's the first thing Newcastle want to do if their takeover goes through. That's one thing I've heard. You know, it's one of the main things clubs want to do because of how often they fly and how many games and the networking is, is so key now. And it's a global game. So it's a wait and see. But as, as Jose rightly said... Uh, focus on what we've got now and, let, and let's hope let's hope we get some success
2: Bridgie for coming on really really short notice always a pleasure having you on looking forward to having you back on regular once this season does resume
3: my pleasure Rick always good to be on thank you absolute star
2: Lee McQueen back in the building back on the show for coming on Lee always a pleasure
3: Talk
1: to me, talk to
3: me, Terry Tips.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Thanks for having me back on. Brilliant to do a show with Jamie. Awesome to do a show with my my, my other Buffon man, Bridgie. <laughs> Love it, <laughs> loving it.
2: <laughs>
1: Come on,
0: you Spurs.
2: There you go. And Jamie, as always, thanks for coming on, mate. Always a pleasure having you on.
0: Yeah, look, a really good show. I mean, it was obviously very, very exciting to talk about football coming back. And, of course, as as we've covered, I think lots of calls for optimism about Spurs. I think that we are in a really good place. I feel as though we have really benefited uh, from this whole situation. And, uh, yeah, really excited for, for the football to come back.
2: There you go. Excited for the football to come back. Guys, keep safe, keep well. We'll be back very soon. And as always, come on, you Spurs.